The mission is simple, to help high achievers naturally eliminate emotional and physical obstacles so they can optimize their life for higher achievement. Welcome. You have just entered the Genesis Zone. Good day, good day, good day, and welcome to the Genesis Zone show. This is Dr. Brian Brown. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us on this beautiful Friday. I know there are other places you could be, and you're here, and we appreciate that. You got I've got a great show lined up for you today, uh, some really new information uh, that I'm excited to be sharing with you. Um, have, have you ever done anything uh, in the self-help arena and found that it just didn't stick. It didn't work. Uh, you find yourself having to go back and repeat that process over and over again or change self-help systems or coaches or gurus or whatever in order to uh, make progress. Well, if you have, there's a reason for that. Have, there's a reason for that. And in today's In The Zone segment, I'll be discussing the details from a conference that I attended uh, this past weekend where I learned about reprogramming the subconscious mind and how it actually affects our genetic behavior and the biology behind that. Uh, but before we get started, uh, let's recap uh, yesterday's interview with uh, Susan Gilbert. Um, the title of that episode was Living in the Land of I Can. Now, she has a book uh, called The Land of I Can uh, that you, you need to check out. An absolutely amazing book. It's actually a children's book, but she's actually sold more of those books to corporations and adults than she has actually to parents with children. Uh, but it can be used either way. But amazing life lessons in that, that particular book. Uh, but Susan talks about her journey uh, through uh, grief and bereavement, uh, grief and bereavement and loss and how she came out the other side of that. Um, by understanding a few principles. And one of those principles was, you know, we need to change our question or we deserve to change our question from how to what. And when we do sit back and watch and see what happens. I thought that was brilliant when she said that. And um, then, then another thing she, she shared with us was uh, she shared about moving past other people's expectations of what you're supposed to do, who you're supposed to be, what you're supposed to say. The list goes on and on and on, but moving past other people's expectations. And then the third thing was step out of loss and grief into the land of I can. A lot of times when, when people experience loss or grief, they tend to shut down. And uh, for her, it was a process of learning how it could lead to possibility and it could lead to possibility and lead to push her and propel her forward. Uh, and she shares that journey with us and some amazing life lessons uh, that we can all glean uh, from, from that particular uh, example and, and her story. So let's explore how this episode with Susan Gilbert actually fits in to the Genesis Zone advantage. So bear with me. Allow me to start by reading uh, a quote from the late Mahatma Gandhi. And it goes like this, your beliefs become your thoughts. Your thoughts become your words. Your words become your actions. Your actions become your habits. Your habits become your values and your values become your destiny. Now, this conference that I went to um, this weekend dealt a lot with uh, beliefs and 
uh, beliefs and thoughts. And I'm going to explain more about that because I think it's really important to understand the sixth inch space between our ears and how powerful it is, even on an epigenetic level, meaning that our thoughts can, and I previously established that in another podcast episode, um, you know, can, can our thoughts change our genetics? The answer is yes. Research backs that up. You can go back and listen to that. But understanding the sixth inch space between our ears epigenetically is probably one of the most important things that we can do. So um, at this conference, it was 100% about rewriting or reprogramming your subconscious brain. Now, I have to give credit where credit is due. Uh, this conference was based on the work of Dr. Bruce Lipton and Rob Williams, who is a, a clinical therapist. Uh, they worked together to develop a system to do exactly that, to reprogram the subconscious brain, program the subconscious brain. But it's very science-based, very, very much steeped in Dr. Bruce Lipton's work, which is epigenetics. And you think there's a disconnect here. How can science, the science of epigenetics, be married with a modality where we can reprogram the subconscious brain in minutes. So let me give you an example. This weekend, uh, there were a lot of breakout sessions. It was very hands-on. And I, I'm going to be completely honest with you. I have a spider. Well, I had a spider phobia. There, see, I, I, I blew the punchline there. But um, we, worked, we were able to work through some of our personal things during this conference in these breakout sessions. And one of the things I wanted to work on was spider phobia. I've had it all my life. Um, I, I think it was from an episode when I was a kid, I was laying in bed uh, with my shirt off and a wolf spider ran across my chest. And ever since then, I've kind of been freaked out. And there was one more incident. I was riding a motorcycle through the woods and there was a huge, and there was a huge web about eight feet across and a wood spider. Wood spiders are huge. They're about this big. And my face planted right with that spider web and that spider right on the middle of my face. Ever since then, spiders and I don't get along. I hate them, so on and so forth. So I worked through this process. It literally took, I timed it. I looked on my watch. It literally took seven minutes. And after that seven minutes, I had no association of fear or trauma or anything related to spiders. And I'm thinking, well, I'm not going to go outside and find a spider to put this to the test. Now, this was on Sunday. This was the last day of the conference. Monday afternoon, my granddaughter and my daughter were here at the house. And I finished up work a little bit early. So I went outside in the backyard to play with my granddaughter. And um, we were sitting on the patio. She was, we were, we were looking for roly polies is what we were doing. So uh, typical three-year-old kid stuff, typical three-year-old kid stuff. And um I'm sitting there on the back patio and a jumping spider hops on the back of my hand. Now I can't tell you the last time a spider has been on my body. Uh, but this instance spider jumps on the back of my hand and I just look at it. Now, previously the old Brian would have knocked him to the ground and stomped him flat. There would have been nothing left of that spider, but I just looked at him and I'm like, this is really freaky because I'm not afraid of this spider. And I watched him for about 30 seconds. He crawled around on the back of my hand and then I put him over on the fire pit our, our stone fire pit. He hopped off and go, I go on playing with my granddaughter about 30 minutes later. Boom. That spider is back on my hand. Now I'm in a different position on the patio and there's this same spider has come back. Um, so again, I go through the same thing. I just kind of watch him. Didn't freak me out. 
And I, I, this time I put him on a, a like a solar lantern that hangs on a shepherd's hook, or lantern that hangs on a shepherd's hook. I, I put him over there. And um, about 45 minutes later, he came back. Now, is this not the, you know, being put to the test at the ultimate test? Having, I can't tell you the last time I've had a spider on my human body. And after going through that exercise on Sunday, it's like I'm attracting spiders now. Uh, they're saying, okay, let's put this to the test. And they put it to the test. And I was like, I passed with flying colors. Now, the third time he hopped on my hand, I'll be honest with you. Not that I had a problem with him, but I was like, you're you're interfering with me playing with my granddaughter. I'm going to put you over here on the tree, which was a good 12 feet away. I, I went over there and put him on the tree. He didn't come back. But that's the power of working on the subconscious mind. And it can be done very, very quickly. And I'm going to tell you about this, the principles behind this here in just a second. See. Beliefs are equal to perception. Now, how do we shape our perceptions? We shape our perceptions. We shape our perceptions through our thoughts, our senses, our feelings. In our mind's eye, um, at, at the most simple level, it boils down to what we see, what we hear, and what we feel. Um, these thoughts or senses and feelings make up our attitude about the situation. And this attitude shapes our behavior and the behavior influences the results that we get. Uh, then the process kind of starts all over again. It's kind of cyclical. Now, interestingly, developmental psychologists tell us that research shows our perceptions or our beliefs are mostly locked in place by age seven. That's crazy. I mean, think about that. Our, our beliefs, our perceptions are locked in place mostly by age seven. Now, there's a little bit of change that occurs up until age 12, but almost no, but almost nothing happens with changing perceptions or beliefs after age 12. They're, they're set in stone at that point. So if you've ever wondered why some people act like two-year-olds or some people act like five-year-olds or some people act like seven-year-olds, um, especially in their attitude and their behavior, that's why. Uh, it's because they're on old programming that literally dates back to when they were a, a, a small kid. But let's not try to get caught up in the why. Let's understand the process and, and focus on the process. Now, this process that I've just given you is what researchers believes, believe cause uh, the epigenetic shifts in the way genes express themselves from from a positive to a negative standpoint or from a negative to a positive standpoint. Um, so let's talk about how most people try to get results. Um, most people try to, most people try to get results through self-help books or a self-help course or um, uh, hiring a counselor or a therapist. Um, and there's nothing wrong with any of those, but, you need to know that all of that is done on the conscious level. And, and they do all this in an effort to change a behavior and get a new result. Now, have you ever spent hard-earned money to change a bad habit or change a behavior and either found it quite challenging or it just didn't work? Well, if, you, if that's the case, you're not alone. I've spent money on that. You, you've probably spent money on that. And in and, and the thing is, we have to ask ourselves um, why this is happening. Now, again, I don't want to get caught up too much in the why, 
but I'm going to, I'm going to tell you the process. Uh, the better, the better question would be how this is happening. You see, it boils down. You see, it boils down to the difference between the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. Now, let's talk about the conscious mind just for a moment. Um, the conscious mind is very, actually, it's very inefficient. Um, it uses an incredible amount of energy and resources in order to do its work. It processes, get this, at a very slow rate. In fact, uh, scientists have actually quantified this. Uh, the conscious mind processes at about 40 bits per second um, and can only handle a few tasks at one time. Uh, it's kind of the old, uh, old dilemma of multitasking. Some people are better at it than others. Women typically are a lot better at it than men, but there's still that 40 bit processing speed there. Um, and you need to know that the conscious mind is volitional. What do I mean by volitional? I'm, that means it's it works off of sheer willpower. Now, can you accomplish? Now, can you accomplish things by sheer sheer willpower? the The answer is an absolute, resounding yes. I mean, you look back through history, mankind has changed their thinking based on sheer willpower. For example, there used to be a thought that the Earth was flat, and if you sailed off too far, you would fall off the edge of the planet. Um, until uh, astrologists and astronomers started looking at this and saying, no, 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 the earth is round. And more started coming along saying, oh yeah, the earth is round. Well, let's prove it. Let's just sail into the unknown and see what happens. And boom, they didn't fall off the face of the planet. They came back and reported. And guess what happened? Just by sure willpower, people changed their perception and their belief around that. So the, the, the conscious brain also sets goals and judges results. It thinks abstractly and it likes new and creative ideas and activities, ideas and activities. It is time bound. This is critical. The conscious brain is time bound to the point it focuses on the past and on the future. And it looks for new ways to do things based on those past experiences and future goals. And it's bound by short-term memory. Uh, and in the average human being, short-term memory is about 20 seconds. Um, now let's talk about the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is totally different. It's actually very efficient at processing information. It uses less energy. It processes information. Get this at about 40 million bits per second. So you've got the conscious brain that processes information at 40 bits per second, and you've got the subconscious brain that processes information at 40 million bits per second. I mean, which would you rather have working for you? I mean, we need both, but which would you rather have doing the heavy lifting, the 40 doing the heavy lifting, the 40 million bits per second? And the subconscious brain can handle thousands of tasks simultaneously. It's habitual in nature, meaning that it's really good at monitoring the operations of the body, such as the nerve function, nervous system, motor function, heart rate, respiratory rate, digestion, uh, just to name a few. And it, it thinks literally. So remember, we said that our, our beliefs and, and everything are set by about age seven. Well, we almost have to think of our subconscious mind as being that seven-year-old child or that five-year-old child. When we speak to the subconscious, we have to speak in very literal terms, meaning um, 
knowing that the subconscious brain, because it interprets everything literally, experiences knowing the world through the five senses. Um, and it has and it has a long-term memory, meaning it's storing these brain, meaning it's storing these past experiences uh, and attitudes and values and belief in this long-term memory. And it works off timeless principles, focusing in the present time only, but it's using past learning experiences to perform those current functions, such as walking, talking. Like when you get up out of the chair, you make a conscious, like, okay, I need to go get a cup of coffee. Boom. That's a conscious thought, but you didn't have to tell yourself, okay, back, straighten up. Okay. Legs activate hips. I need you to extend knees. I need you to, to, to extend. You didn't have to think about that. That all happens on a subconscious level. So it's processing very, very, very rapidly to accomplish these things seemingly on autopilot because you learned how to do those things when you were, say, somewhere between nine months and 18 months of age when you learned to walk. So that was stored in that long term memory, long term memory. And you don't have to think about that consciously anymore. And so it's timeless in the sense that it can pull all the way back to some scientists believe into the womb experiences that you've had in the womb. And from a trauma, trauma perspective, that, that is true. Some really good research is coming out that trauma experienced by a baby in a mother's womb is actually just as detrimental as trauma experienced after the baby is born. So um, just keep that in the back of your mind. I don't know why I said that, but I, I think I said it just to prove a point that it's timeless. The subconscious brain is timeless. So I share all of this to say this, be careful what you say consciously to your subconscious mind. Now, here are some limiting beliefs that people can get stuck in. And there are thousands, if not millions of limiting beliefs, just like we're all as unique as our own fingerprint. Our limiting beliefs are just, our limiting beliefs are just as unique. Uh, They're uniquely ours and we all have them. But here's, here's some limiting beliefs. I'm stupid or I can't do that, or I'm all thumbs, or here's another one. This is really good. No matter what I do or how hard I try, it's never good enough. Man, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that when I was growing up as a kid, I'd I'd be a wealthy man. My opinion really doesn't matter. There's another limiting belief. But instead, what if we talk to that subconscious brain like a five-year-old And we said something like, I am smart. I am more than enough. I have more than enough. I am gifted and talented in unique ways. My opinion is cherished by those around me, by those around me. Life and circumstances reward my efforts, and it is good. So, Why do I spend so much time on this show talking about thinking? Well, number one is I do epigenetic work with clients. That's hard to display and demonstrate here. But when we do epigenetics, it it involves this six inch space between our ears just as much as it does the genes inside our body, because we've previously established that our thinking actually affects our genes. But what I want to tell you is and share with you is that epigenetically, 
we we have to focus on both external environments and that's a given that's the air we breathe the water we drink the food we put in our mouth the the stressors that are around us whether you live in the or around us whether you live in the city and it's chaotic or you live in the country and things are a little bit more calm all of those things come into play in our external environment but what is probably i, I, w- I would venture a guess twice as important is the internal environment. Now, the internal environment can be our biological processes. Like how do we, how are we breaking down food? Do we have a gut imbalance? Do we have a liver imbalance? Do we have a cardiac issue? Uh, Do we have a mental health issue? Um, Or it can be our thinking. Uh, That internal environment can be run and controlled by our thoughts. So that's why it's important. And that's why I spend a lot of time now, I'm going to be having guests on. I, I know the lineup over the, uh, actually through June, and I'm going to be having guests on that are going to be talking about external environment issues that affect the internal environment uh, with uh, certain things like Lyme disease and things like that. So we're going to be talking about those things. But just know if it seems like I'm spending a lot of time on thoughts and thinking and, and the sixth inch space between your ears, there's a reason for it. And there's a really good reason for it. It's because this is critically important to making lasting changes. Yes, we can nutritionally support genes and we should, but you're, you're getting access to really good information just on this podcast regarding how to change the six in space between how to change the six in space between your ears and how to make it work for you. Now there's deeper work that we can certainly do there. Uh, that's part of why I went to this training is to learn how to do this with clients on a one-on-one basis. Um, because I firmly believe, and I've, I've believed it for a long time that epigenetically we need to address that as well as the nutrition that we put in our body that supports our genes or doesn't support our genes. It breaks our, breaks our body down. So I hope, I hope that kind of relays a little bit more easily why, why I'm doing what I'm doing, why I'm spending so much time on thought patterns. Why does he talk about grief all the time? Why does he talk about marriage relationships? Why does he talk about child relationships, child parent relationships? The reason is, is because those are external environmental factors that affect our internal environment, especially in our head. So we, we need to address those things in order to be as healthy as we possibly can. So as we wrap, so as we wrap up for today, um, uh, I'd like to make the listeners aware of something new. On May the 17th, I'm launching my first ever Gene Hack Bootcamp. Now, bear with me on this. Um, this is the first time I've done this. I, now, don't get me wrong. I'm an international speaker. I've spoken in crowds of 10, 10 to 14,000 before. It doesn't bother me to speak. And I love teaching. Uh, but because this boot camp is the first boot camp I've done, it's going to be free this time and this time only. Uh, after this, it won't be free. <laughs> uh, after this, uh, there will be a fee associated, uh, an investment on your part to participate in the bootcamp. So if you want to get in on this, this beta version, this inaugural version of the bootcamp and experience it for free, I can promise you it's going to be absolutely amazing. Um, so it's ha- hang in there. If, uh, in, in the Gene Hack Bootcamp, um, using my proprietary Genesis Zone method, I'm going to teach you how to know exactly which of your five zones of optimization, and that's right, uh, brain, body, sleep, immune, 
and energy. Which one of those zones are out of balance? Now, you may be thinking, okay, I, I struggle with depression and anxiety, Dr. Brian, so I know it's my brain zone. Oh, no, no, don't go there because that's not necessarily true. Yes, on the surface, it may seem that way, but there may be other zones that are out of balance and take a higher priority. And when we approach these in a certain order, uh, in the correct order, starting with the primary zone that's out of balance first, we're able to get accelerated results. And this is something that I've discovered about three years ago and started using clinically and started getting amazing results with clients. Not that I wasn't already, but it just was much more accelerated. Uh, it just was much more accelerated. Um, and once we know those five zones of optimization, what's out of balance, what is the primary zone out of balance and where we need to start, then, then I will share with you the, the exact optimization genes that need to be checked within each of those zones in order to propel you to higher levels of physical, mental, and emotional performance. Uh, it's going to be a power-packed five days that you won't want to miss, uh, especially if you want to feel healthier and feel stronger, uh, find balance, have a stronger immune system have improved focus and concentration, have a better mood and lower anxiety and have more energy, stamina and endurance. Uh, to reserve your seat, go to drbriangbrown.com forward slash gene hack. That's G-E-N-E-H-A-C-K, all one word. So drbriangbrown.com forward slash brown.com forward slash gene hack. And just follow the instructions there. I've got a video there. I've got a really long uh, web page that explains what all, what all we will be covering a little bit about my story and why I'm doing this. Uh, so I think you'll find it interesting. Uh, let me know what you think. Uh, if you have any questions about the gene hack bootcamp, just direct message me on Facebook or Instagram at Dr. Brian G. Brown. Uh, that simple. I'll be glad to answer any questions I possibly can. So um, that's going to wrap us up for today. Stay, stay, uh, uh, tune in next Thursday at noon Eastern Standard Time for our next Wellness Warrior segment, uh, where I'll be interviewing another surprise guest, and uh, we'll continue to explore ways in which you can optimize for higher performance um, and uh, just pushing yourself to those those higher peak performance levels. Most informed, most trusted, and most grateful you spent this time with us today. Until next time, until next time, stay in the zone. I'm Dr. Brian Brown. 